Welcome to the Plan Simple Podcast. I am your host, Mia Moran. Moms have the power to change the future, but not if we're stressed out and exhausted. Looking at food, lifestyle, spirituality, and work, the Plan Simple Podcast is for busy moms who want to create a healthier and happier future. Listen in for inspirational conversations and valuable strategies to plan for your best life. On this episode of the Plan Simple Podcast, I have the pleasure of interviewing Paul Salter. He's a registered dietitian and weight maintenance expert, and his goal is to help people stress less about the scale, which I love, stop worrying about navigating social occasions, which is a question I get a lot, and remove the guilt from enjoying life and living it to its fullest. So he has so many gems in this episode. If you're not on a weight loss journey or weight maintenance journey, I still highly recommend this episode because we go a lot into micro habits and mindset issues. And both of those, I think, pertain to a lot of areas of our life. But the truth is we are talking a lot about diet and weight loss and weight maintenance, which is a topic that I was really intrigued by. And as you guys know, we don't always have a lot of male interviews on this podcast. In fact, we predominantly interview women. That was sort of the goal of this podcast from the get-go. But every once in a while, someone reaches out to me who I know that you guys could benefit from or answers questions that I get a lot. And Paul is one of those people. So I'm super excited for you guys to hear from him today. And weight maintenance is one of those things that I think can stop us from going on the journey to being the weight that we want to be because we're stressed about yo-yoing back from the very beginning. So I think that this is such a great topic to talk about. And What we talk about in this episode is just, it's fun and really actionable, and I think you'll love it. So before we dive in, I just have a quick announcement. Talk about overwhelm. So I used to get very overwhelmed around food and life and parenting and work and how to get home and all the, where all those things interact and, you know, how I was supposed to get it all done and my to-do list was just so long and it still is so long. But somewhere along the path, I realized this process, which I now teach called the flow planning process. And I realized that it actually doesn't matter how long my to-do list is. It matters what I'm focused on today. And I realized that a lot of what I was focusing on and letting myself get overwhelmed about was leading me into all these bad habits that weren't serving me, one of which was overeating. So overeating was a big result of me feeling overwhelmed for much of my life. I was very out of touch with how food was making me feel because I was using it basically to numb this feeling of overwhelm. So overwhelm is something I've thought a lot about. It's something I've dealt with a lot. It's something I've watched many of the women in Flow 365 deal with and clients along the way as well deal with. And it's something I'm pretty passionate about helping women get out of. I feel like there's a simpler path to it than we know. 
And so I created this free workshop to help all of us get out of overwhelm. Now, I am not promising that you will never get an overwhelm again. Maybe, maybe you will be that person. I certainly do still get overwhelmed. And I think that that's a result of constantly wanting to grow more and more and more and be the best version of myself. And with every new level, there's a new sort of set of overwhelm that comes with that. But I don't get stuck there anymore. So there was a time when I could get stuck in overwhelm for weeks, months, looking back, maybe even years, and not be able to move forward at the pace that I wanted to. Um, just in even, not even in getting a ton of stuff done, but just being able to be present or eat the food that I wanted to, be present with my family and eat the food I wanted us to eat. It's not all about getting work done. And so anyway, I created this class. I would love you to check it out. You can go to plansimple.com slash workshop and get access. It's going to be free for a couple of weeks. Um, it's going to be up for a couple of weeks. It's always going to be free and then it will go down. So go check it out. And all you have to do is exchange your name and email address and you get access to this class. And the reason I take your name and email address is because I know we all get busy and I just want to remind you to go through the material and share some really important stories about my journey with overwhelm as you're going through it um, and make sure that you have these I think beautiful planning sheets that go with the workshop because I love making planning sheets and I love getting you in the habit of writing things down so that you can really make sustainable change in your life. So again, go check it out, plansimple.com slash workshop. And I would love to see you in there and hear any ahas that you have going through that process. All right, you guys, you ladies, y'all, as I should say, let's get Paul on the show. Hey, Paul, welcome to the Plan Simple Podcast. Hey there. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm actually really excited to dive into this topic. Um, it's a question I get a lot. And, you know, 10 years, I guess, after my big weight loss situation, <laughs> I find myself sort of, I think I'm phase two. So I'm excited just for what I get to learn too. Hey, that's the best of both worlds then. I know, right? All right. So tell everybody a little bit about your background and what you do before we dive into some of my specific questions. Yeah, absolutely. So I am a registered dietitian and have been fortunate enough to get my foot in the door of online nutrition coaching and have been honored to work with literally over a thousand men and women. Oh, goodness. I guess the past six years or so, specifically helping them to you know, I could talk about, oh, yes, weight loss numbers, numbers, but I like to think my coaching goes beyond weight loss, where I've had the opportunity to help make lasting change with people's uh, mindset and behaviors to enable them to lose weight and actually keep it off so that they do not become a repeat customer three, six, or nine months later. But beyond that, or before that, I should say, I have a very unique background that's a little different than what I do now. I got my foot into nutrition through the sports nutrition world. And 
I have had the opportunity to work with elite youth, collegiate, professional, and Olympic athletes in both a formal setting, collegiate, and Olympic training center atmosphere, and have you know slowly found that my passion is helping a variety of what may be categorized as the general population just take back control of their lives because I've seen firsthand and experienced myself how much a poor relationship with the scale or food or feeling trapped in this cycle of weight loss and regain can essentially wreak havoc on so many areas of an individual's life. And that's what I'm here to do today. I feel strongly about why I'm put on this earth is to help men and women finally break free of that. Got it. I think you told me once that you work a lot with moms, which I found intriguing and, and cool and why, why you're here. <laughs> yeah, I would say, honestly, I was looking at my numbers just a couple of weeks ago and about 88 to 89% of the men and women I work with are in fact women and a vast majority of them are moms. Yes. So it's funny. We end up in this sort of predicament post-children <laughs> um, where, yeah, we need to think about these things. So I have this love-hate relationship, I have to admit up front, with talking about weight loss. Um, just my story being somewhat of a yo-yo dieter myself over the course of my lifetime. <laughs> um, but in the last 10 years, as I've really sort of decided to love food and wellness, I feel like that was like the chapter that really healed me. Mm -hmm. um, and in that I really understood the power of food and weight loss was sort of like my gateway, I feel like into health. Um, whereas before weight loss was this thing that had all to do with the outside <laughs> and I was probably doing it all wrong and you know what I mean? So, Absolutely. so I, you know, I'll always, um, chime in on that part of it, I think, as we're going through this conversation only cause that's my story. And I don't want anyone who's listening to ever feel like, they have to lose weight or they're not enough as they are because um, I think that that's really important for women. I, that's I my little caveat. I yeah. couldn't agree more with you because especially, you know, women out there from the age of two, three, I mean, there's literally research studies that show that girls are being exposed to dieting or starting diets at the ages of five or six. Just the culture we live in is so supportive and overwhelmingly encouraging in a negative way that thin is the way to go. You have to be eating 1200 calories. You have to watch your weight or weigh this, this amount. And from such a young age, you can see how that manifests into all of these behaviors and limiting beliefs later in life. And it's a shame that people feel as if they, that number on the scale defines them. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit. So as a nutritionist, like, what do you think are some of the important markers? I feel like weight can sometimes, like for me, for example, it was the motivator, right? I had found myself 85 pounds overweight post having three kids. And it was just like the thing I could see. What ended up on the other side happening was I cured myself of allergies. I got, I never have never taken an antibiotic or really gotten sick since. Like, I mean, it had all these other implications that I just couldn't, I, I guess I wasn't motivated around before because I didn't understand life could be different. But tell us a little bit about that in your experience with the people you've worked with. 
Absolutely. I think you raise a great point that a, you know, seeing a number on the scale was your first visual sign of progress. And I think kind of building off what I just mentioned is from a young age, we're conditioned to think that the scale is the only way to track our progress of health. It's one of the biggest parameters, if not the biggest, when it comes to determining if someone is healthy. You know, what do you weigh? Oh, that number categorizes you as X, Y, and Z, either on the BMI scale, the risk for X, Y, and Z. And it's a shame because what we are not taught at a young age is to look at the plethora of other what I like to call non-scale victories or non-scale positives out there that are positively influenced by fueling ourselves efficiently and effectively with wholesome foods great a great variety of nutrients and I think going specifically back to your question of you know what parameters can we look at is assessing in detail and I think this comes from a strong sense of self-awareness, which is something that takes time to develop, but how we are feeling in terms of our energy throughout the day, our energy during our workouts, our ability to practice patience and positivity with ourselves and with others, loved ones, children, so to speak, all is going to be rooted in the way we are fueling ourselves. So if we can start to identify positive changes in how we're feeling our energy and our, both are feeling, you know, within our workouts, without and about ourselves, I think that goes a long way in assessing, or rather being able to assess whether or not the foods you are eating are doing what you hoped they would do and what they're intended to do. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so one of the your expertise, and also one of the reasons that I think we can shy away from changing our food or I, I don't know. I hate that. I wish there was a better word for, for dieting. <laughs> and I think some people have a healthier relationship with it than others, but if we should choose that we want to lose weight, I feel like some of us, um, like the idea that we keep ending up back at this place sort of either prevents us from starting or makes the whole experience just feel not so hot. So I love that one of your expertise is really in the maintenance of it. So you've lost the weight and then how do you now create a lifestyle that you can sustain this weight or sustain this energy or whatever it is that you got to. So will you, will you take us through that a little bit? Certainly. So I, I have found that the number one reason so many people end up regaining the weight they lost is they simply don't think about what comes after a diet or you know what's beyond day 91. If we think about the most popular types of diets or the fad diets, they're all broken down into these bite-sized chunks that seem doable, whether it's a 30-day cleanse, a 12-week transformation, or 90-day weight loss plan. And that's fantastic. They're intentionally crafted that way so you feel as if you can accomplish that because all of us are capable of, you know, whether it's giving up food A, B, or C, giving up alcohol or exercising X number of times per week for a short set in stone time frame, And we dive in head first 110% excitedly, but we never give an ounce of thought of what comes after that. And that's harmful because nine times out of 10, all of the behaviors you've committed to for this weight loss plan are not in line with your everyday behaviors. They're not in line with your current lifestyle. So as soon as you're finished, you kind of 
get this, oh crap, now what a feeling in your body, kind of as if like you're a fish out of water, you're uncomfortable, you're anxious, and you're going to struggle to blend the newfound habits you've cultivated to lose weight successfully with what you actually want your lifestyle to look like, that, because that's important, because that's what's sustainable, and that's what's going to carry you happily and confidently the remainder you know, of your life, the next 40, 50, 60 years. So what we need to start spreading from an educational standpoint is this focus beyond day 91. And this needs to actually start before you even begin intentionally targeting weight loss, if that is your goal, because the way you target weight loss needs to be in line with your lifestyle. And sure, you may have areas of your life where you need to improve your eating habits in some regard, but ultimately you have to find this layer of sustainability and start thinking, is this long-term? Is this sustainable? Am I going to be able to keep doing X, Y, and Z even after I'm finished targeting weight loss? And if you don't do this and you think that you're always going to be targeting weight loss, well, that's actually going to set you up to not only regain the weight you lost, but then some, because it's going to prime your body for rapid weight regain. Hmm, that's so interesting. And I, I'm got. I mean, just from the people who we work with here, I just feel like that's even probably exponentially more true for moms because I can see how someone could find like even 90 days sounds long for from the mom audience but it's like that 30 day thing it's like oh yeah like everyone's in school there's no major holidays like i can do this absolutely and then all of a sudden it's summer vacation or it's christmas or you know there's some change in rhythm or even just a kid is homesick for a day which i'm experiencing right now <laughs> um and all of this just hits us in and tests our, our you know, willpower to move forward. And so I can see how, you know, I mean, and that, that's actually what we do a lot of here is, is how to change those habits that we're always, you know, that are in the other parts of our life that aren't food, um, but test our food. And it's so interesting how you definitely need to plan for that, for it to work. Yeah. A hundred percent. All right. So what are some of the things, like, what are some of the things that you can think about in advance? Absolutely. So there and I'm sure you've spoken this many times in the past or with those you work with is something I like to call a keystone habit is something that you need to identify as soon as possible in your weight loss, weight maintenance journey, your journey of living life to your fullest, if you will. And a keystone habit is that one habit, or maybe you have a handful of them, that more than any other action you take or behavior, behavior you engage in has the biggest return on investment. And what I mean by that is if we go to a weight loss example, let's say, let's take the example of meal prepping. You know, hands down, that if you commit to and execute meal prepping once or twice per week, whatever your personal sweet spot is, you have a significantly higher chance of staying on track with your nutrition goals compared to if you did not. And what I have found to be extremely valuable is helping people identify their one or two keystone habits that sets them up for success. And the reason this is so important is, as we all know very well, and I know that moms in particular can relate to, is that life will always throw you a curveball and bring you the unexpected. So with that in mind, perfection is out of the equation. We shouldn't be <laughs> anyway. 
but it, it's a foregone conclusion in this world. So instead, I'm a big believer in just focusing on consistency. And once you're able to identify a keystone habit or two and able to make that a priority no matter what, it's almost as if you've crafted your foundation for consistency and set the tone for the week already just by getting those one or two things done. Okay, so I love the example of meal prep. I'm I'm kind of guessing meal planning would, you know, is another one. Absolutely. Um what are some other ones? So after that, I I really help to really rather encourage people to focus on what their foundation of healthy eating looks like. And what I mean by that is it's a bit more specific than whether you know you eat meat or you don't you're a vegetarian or vegan it's you know what are your four to five main staple food groups if you will that you're going to commit to every single day so it's a combination Mm. of your lean proteins whether vegetarian or animal based your healthy fats your high fiber carbohydrates fruits vegetables and making sure that you have some form of structure in place. And this kind of goes in line with your meal prep and planning that enables you to successfully include a variety of those four to six uh, key food groups for you because you know that they are going to fuel you and your specific goals. I love that. And the other thing I think that does mindset wise is it's more focused on what you can have instead of what you can't have, right? Absolutely. And to take that one step further, you know, once you're able to identify that foundation, now, now the fun begins because it's, there's so much flexibility there. And the, the way I like to give an example is let's say, for instance, you know that you need to have five servings of high fiber carbohydrates per day. And this is a separate category than fruits and vegetables. And, you know, for our sake of simplicity, let's just say a serving is 25 grams of carbohydrates. So now that you know that that is kind of the structure of your day, you can move those around as you see fit. So for example, if you know you have a family get together or a social occasion that revolves around food in the evening, you can, in, in a world, you know, you, I don't like to use the word save, but practice flexibility and move some of that those portions to a later meal, or you could have them at an earlier meal, just depending on what the day dictates. And the the reason I think this is so impactful with your audience in particular is because, again, going back to that, life's going to throw you a curveball. You don't know when a child's going to be sick or when a play date's going to go from one hour to three hours or when an appointment comes up. So knowing that you can practice that flexibility and still move towards your goals just gives you a greater peace of mind, which I think is fantastic. Yeah, I love that. And and also just believing that you can choose in advance mm, and yes. and sort of and and that you that's self-care, right? That it's taking care of yourself to choose in advance what is going to fuel your body and that you can stick to it to take care of yourself, which I think is something sometimes that we throw out the door as moms just cuz we're always taking care of everybody else around us. Absolutely. And it's, it's a commitment and an investment in yourself. And ultimately, when you get to have the freedom to practice that flexibility, just building off what you said, it actually then brings you a greater sense of happiness and accomplishment. Because number one, you got to enjoy that special occasion with friends, family, and loved ones, eat delicious food. But number two, you have the peace of mind that you were still in line with your goals. And all of that helps keep moving you in the direction you desire. 
Yeah, I love that. And all of this was thinking in advance about the maintenance phase, right? That's where we started with all this because now we just, okay. So that's interesting. And then I feel like there's definitely people listening who are like, well, how do I know what to eat? Like, you know, because I feel like there's just so much noise out there, you know, (laughs) stop eating nightshades, don't eat meat, eat meat, eat just meat, eat only greens. Like there's just so many different ideas. Like what is your thought on that when people, when it just gets so confusing that it almost feels hard to make those choices? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. And what I have found to work best when talking about this is, is to share with people, you know, I I think all of us at the end of the day recognize that choosing whole foods, nutrient dense foods, whether we want to go the vegetarian route or the animal based route, uh, isn't the highest priority to decide. It's putting a focus on whole, wholesome nutrient dense foods. And that should be the foundation of everybody's diet because there's just an overwhelming amount of research that shows, you know, vitamin and mineral rich foods, high fiber foods, healthy fats, lean proteins in whatever form you desire is very, very good for nourishing the mind and the body. And from there, you know, we can read an article today that celery is terrible for you, an article tomorrow that carrots are the worst, celery is back in. And that's just going to add, you know, further noise to the situation. And I think the best recommendation is to encourage everyone to build that foundation of healthy eating eating habits I just discussed upon wholesome nutrient-dense foods, and then to actually pay attention to what foods bother them or don't sit well, because everyone's going to have a few foods that maybe don't sit well with them, don't bring them as much energy as other foods. And it's up to us as the individual to determine which foods do and do not work well for us, and then to tailor our own foundation appropriately. Yeah. And I think that's sort of hard to understand if you haven't done any of this work before, but just for anyone listening, I, I, the one thing I found, and when I got into all this, I knew like literally nothing about food nor how to cook. And the second I did that limit, like, you know, I made the list of the things that I was going to eat. Um, it was very easy. Once, once you clean it up and get it, feel in control of what you're eat, putting in your body, it, that part I think comes a lot easier than when we're just thinking about it. Yeah, I love that. And I think we could take that, you know, I described having that foundation of different food groups early on. I love what you just said. You can go now one step further once you've identified your major groups and list eight to 12 foods that fit that category that you know you enjoy, no fall in that category, and then also, of course, make you feel your best. Yeah. Um, And I think it's just that feel your best part (laughs) that comes because obviously we get into this because we're not feeling our best, right? So it's like, that's the part you have to trust. Yes. Will happen. All right. I love that. Okay. So another thing that I think that you have some great ideas about is just these mindset tricks um, or these mindset habits that sort of can get in the way of us continuing, you know, to make these changes. So will you talk a little bit about mindset and what you've, how you've found that really affects people changing their eating habits? Absolutely. So one of the biggest challenges I have come across and those I work with, and especially myself, is all or nothing thinking or that black and white thinking. I think so many of us struggle with it's either I'm eating nothing but kale for the rest of my life (laughs) or I'm eating nothing but ice cream for the rest of my life. Yes. 
I think the first step to overcoming that is just simply awareness and I taking a moment to reflect and those of you listening can easily hit pause and do this now is has there been a time in my life where I have been too extreme in determining what decisions I have, you know, it's either A or B, but certainly not C or D. And I think bringing awareness to the situation is going to help someone start to recognize areas in their own life where they're practicing this type of thinking and eliminating any third, fourth, or fifth option. When in fact, there's probably 30 other options, definitely a gray area between that black and white thinking that is not only more effective, but probably far more sustainable as well. Mm, interesting. Can you give us an example? Yes, absolutely. So one of my actually recent people I've been working with lately told me right from the get-go that uh, she was struggling with ice cream quite frequently. And it wasn't just measuring a cup or two out of the container. It was either the entire pint of Ben & Jerry's, which, hey, I understand, that's delicious, or <laughs> it was no Ben & Jerry's whatsoever. And she found herself, you know, actually actively telling herself, I'm not going to have the ice cream tonight. Then all of a sudden it slowly morphed into, okay, I'm going to have a bite or just a bowl. And next thing you know, the entire pint is gone. And, and I find a lot of relatability in that from, you know, early experiences with myself to a vast majority of the clients I work for and what's really, or work with rather. But what's really unique about this is there's actually loads of research that show this is an actual phenomenon that is, that is titled a specific theory as to why people regain weight loss and excuse my language but it's called you know the what the heck or technically the what the hell effect because we get this thinking that i'm not going to do this i'm not going to do this it's all in no ice cream no ice cream you have one bite all of a sudden it tastes really good you say what the heck and you're off with the entire pint and that's something that people struggle with until you bring awareness to the situation and present them with different alternatives yeah, that's interesting. It's a I, I'm I've been finding lately that one of the ways that helps me with that is to decide in advance, like to to really feel into what it is I want, but maybe the day before. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I, I can't speak highly enough about the the positive impact of planning and preparing ahead like that. Yeah. So so like you know, I might know that um, I'm going to the beach, you know, I can't know everything, but I might know that I'm going to the beach and it's like my family's favorite ice cream place. Um, and, you know, maybe I, uh, this isn't a bad example of me because I actually don't do dairy, but let's say I did. <laughs> um, and I might, you know, choose that, you know, on that day, maybe I had something, I'm going to eat X for lunch so that I, and it's the same thing you were just talking about, just putting throughout the day what it is that you want to eat. Absolutely. Um, and I find that really helpful. The other and the other side of that I think for everyone listening is, you know, I actually in 10 years haven't had dairy or gluten and it's not that those things are right or wrong for the whole world, but those two things are the two things that I found as I was doing my experiments as Paul is saying. Um, just didn't work for me mm -hmm. and at all. And so, but what's cool is that I don't feel deprived at all, like that I can't have those things. So it's interesting, you know, ice cream as in dairy ice cream isn't, I don't even feel bad about that, that elimination anymore. Cause I just, I experienced that it doesn't make me feel good. It doesn't make me have the energy I want. 
And, yes. um, and so it's okay. It's like totally fine. And I think when you're at the beginning of this journey, it's hard to see that. And there's certainly things right now like sugar and coffee <laughs> um, <laughs> that I know are like not the smartest things for me to always have. Um, but, you know, the, those things I do have to make those kinds of choices about. But there's other things that aren't always hard. And I think we forget that part. I agree. And one very simple tactic I've, I began implementing with myself years ago and have shared with others is just a simple word swap in your self-talk and using the word and instead of or. So to give you an example, oh, I love that. you know, it's either a, a cup of ice cream or two every night or no ice cream at all. Or you could consider saying it's a cup of ice cream tonight and maybe a cup of ice cream next week. Something as simple as that is going to help reframe your mindset to an environment that's more positive around the, the subject that you've been struggling with or the food you've been struggling with. And that goes a long way in fostering a healthier relationship with that particular food. I love that. Um, okay, I get the question a lot from listeners in our community about when we're making big food changes and feeling totally on top of them personally, but then coming into a family situation or a party situation and just feeling weird. <laughs> Do you have any ideas around that? Yes. So there's two different approaches you can take. And I will share that simply because both will work and one is not better than the other. It's going to depend on the type of individual. And the first one is from the get-go, sharing your specific goals or intentions with your close loved ones, family, friends, et cetera. And I know that may be the hardest thing to do, yeah, but it is going to be the most rewarding in terms of short and long-term payoff when you are enjoying your foods, your portions without any anxiety, stress, or guilt. So that's step, that's option number one. Number two is you can stay on track and in line with your goals and your food values and kind of do so in a way that doesn't draw attention to yourself. So for example, a very easy, easy relatable example is the topic of drinking alcohol. If you're choosing not to drink alcohol, you can get a club soda and lime. You can get a, a dark cup that makes it look like you're blending in drinking with others, but you in fact know you're not. You can also implement a few suggested food strategies when you are attending a social gathering. That way it doesn't bring attention to your plate. You can begin your meal with just vegetables to say you're in and say, make small comments like, oh, I just enjoyed these so much. I'm going to start here. I'll go back for, you know, main course X, Y, and Z. When in fact, you know, you're just going to have a small portion of something else and be fine, but you're quickly brushing aside the negative attention, but not drawing too much to yourself to stay on track with your goals. I like those. Those are good. And one thing that's interesting about number one is, or, or just like a comment on that, mm -hmm. is that I, I feel like one of the things that we can do once we've started to have positive change is want to change others. Yes. So I feel like when we come to that number one, just for ourselves, that can be really powerful. Right. I so, more. Um, because I think a lot of times we walk in the room and want everyone to be doing what we're doing, especially if we <laughs> see someone who we relate to being like us. Yes. Um, and that's, that's, I think the part that can get us in trouble there and get us into an uncomfortable, you know, 
state. <laughs> but if we're really coming in, like, this is what I'm doing, I'm so proud. And actually, I could really use your help. Then people are, people want to help us. Like anyone who, you know, has invited us over, or likes us or loves us, wants to help us. Absolutely. And back to your other point, you know, if you share that with someone, one of your close friends, family members, or loved ones who, feels as if they probably need a similar change in their life, you know, now you're in a sense a support system for them. You become yeah. a role model, whether, whether you intend to or not, but you may find that now you have an even larger support network because you were brave enough to voice your goals or intentions. Yeah, I like that. Um, okay, any other mindset things before we move on to the next topic? Any mindset tips that you love to share? Yes. And it, it sounds so simple and off topic, but it's, it really is so interrelated. It's just the, the continuous effort to practice positivity in your life. Mm. You know, weight maintenance, you know, the whole goal of, you know, losing weight and keeping it off isn't, it's about so much more than, you know, as an arbitrary example, losing 15 pounds and then remaining at 174.2 pounds on the dot for your rest <laughs> of your life. It's, it's not static by any means. It's as dynamic as it gets. And no matter how hard you try, how many resources you review, you're still going to have your challenging days. Someone who's maintained successful weight loss for 10 years is still going to have those challenging days. And having a few tricks up your sleeve to maintain positivity goes a very long way. So something I have found extremely successful is each night before going to bed, and I do this personally and with my, those I work with, is writing down at least one non-scale or non-positive victory of the day. It could be related to your workout, the way you feel, the way you felt wearing a certain outfit of clothing, your energy of the day, or some, some other non-nutrition or exercise related positive, just to help your, your continuously re training your brain to scout out the positives first. And the more you do this, you'll notice a distinct change in your ability to constantly bring or seek out the, the strong amount of positivity in your life. And that's extremely important because weight change is a very emotional uh, concept entity, if you will. And if you don't have a tool in place to bring you back to a positive state, you're really going to struggle. Yeah, I think that's so important. And I actually think that that is the reason I talk about the least that led me to be able to lose weight, much less keep it off mm -hmm. um, this last time. Um, because that was just hugely important because before that, I would always get back to bad body image thoughts, right? And then with yes. bad body image thoughts, it's really hard to do any of this um, because we just want more ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Whereas positive thoughts, I feel like when we're, when we were really cultivating those positive thoughts, we, we do more positive things for ourselves. And a lot of times these nutrition changes are those positive things. You're right. And to go even, you know, build off of ice cream because we don't, we, we talk about ice cream in a joking manner so far. We don't want to demonize ice cream. Ice right. cream is great in moderation. But <laughs> when, when you cultivate this, you know, this positive or growth mindset, you are then better equipped to be mindful and present while enjoying that ice cream and then to move yeah. on without any guilt or regret, which is fantastic. Right. Because if we're in the space where we're wanting to eat a whole thing, we're probably not eating it with a good mindset, right? Yes. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. I remember actually when we were in college and I was definitely still in that 
yo-yo phase of my life, um, my husband would, be, we would get those things of Ben and Jerry's and my now husband, who I was dating at the time, would be able to take two like bites and put it back. And I always thought that was really strange, <laughs> but it was just because he had this like positive mindset and I really did not at that moment. So <laughs> yeah, that's very admirable. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, all right. So let's talk a little bit about, so we're at, so it's, we're, we've sort of covered this idea of these keystone changes and how to start and how to start with the end in mind so that you, you know, keep going. Um, and we've start, talked about mindset and I think these two things are hugely um, amazing. So can we just talk about maybe tricks or, or tips or what happens when we do come into these obstacles? Cause I feel like these obstacles are always going to, come up. So how do we redirect ourselves? How do we stay on, you know, on course with whether we're in our 90, the 90 day phase of just losing the weight or whether we're in the maintenance phase? Like, I feel like it's such, the maintenance phase is kind of like forever, right? Oh, yes. You, yes. You just <laughs> it's more like it. our You're lifestyle. Absolutely right. <laughs> because if you, if you diet, if you successfully diet and do it the right way with the end in mind from the beginning, I love how you said that, then you're absolutely right. That could be your last diet forever. And that sounds so exciting to so many people that, hey, this could be my last diet ever if I get X, Y, and Z in place and change my mindset that you are, in fact, what I literally call in your forever weight maintenance phase. Yeah. And, and, and so here I am, actually. So like here I am like nine years in, right? And there's little things that are having to always be tweaked for sure. Well, I think there's a lot that always has to be tweaked. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like part of it is just realizing that it's a lifestyle. So as it becomes a lifestyle and you hit sort of a trigger or an obstacle, like what are, what are your ideas for getting through those? Absolutely. So first and foremost, something we already touched on is simply knowing Mm -hmm. That the perfection is not the goal. Consistency right. is the goal. Yeah. But once, once, so once you have that deeply ingrained into your mind, what you're going to want to do and have a specific strategy for is something that I didn't come up with this term. This term is used loosely in a, in a variety of different industries and niches, but is to have an after action report. So what I mean by that hmm. is after you slip up or get off track, Having some kind of routine, and this can be two minutes, it doesn't have to be this three-day process, that allows you to reflect on why you got off track, see if you can identify any specific triggers, stressors, or challenges you face, then take a step to reflect on what you could have done differently to better navigate the situation. And next, you're going to further reflect on what can be done to best handle similar situations that you encounter in the future, because you most certainly will, so that you're always, at the end of the day, learning from any slip-up, mistake, off-track eating, whatever we want to call it, that you do encounter, because it's ultimately going to strengthen strengthen your confidence, your consistency, and expand your tool belt to further handle a wide array of challenges as you continue navigating your journey. Okay. And that, I think that's so smart. Uh, we've actually built that into our planner. I just think that that's such an amazing, 
habit <laughs> to cultivate. And I think that women really need to hear that. Um, when I, a couple years ago, I, in a, the business realm of life, um, launched m- the planner on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've done, that was my second Kickstarter. The first one was a huge success. The second one, not so much. And the third one will be coming up probably as this is going live. And the second one was not a success. And one of the things that I read was that, um, one of the the most successful projects are on like time number 10 and that statistically it's much more likely for that to be a man than a woman. And it is literally because of that, because like built into a man's habits at work is to go in and evaluate and reevaluate and re-show up. And for whatever reason, women are shyer to do that. And we judge, maybe we have more shame around whatever it is and we don't do that. And I just think that being able to not shame ourselves and just really look at whatever it, our slip up was for what it was, you know, it was just life, life happens mm-hmm. <laughs> and Certainly. be able to pivot. And next time that same thing happens, we'll be able to do it differently. Um, and I think that's something that we just don't give ourselves the time or the space to do. So I love that it's just a two minute thing and that, yeah. you know, right when it, it probably is better right when it happens, right? Like, so that we just, it's, we don't have enough time to like judge ourselves too much about it. <laughs> Absolutely. In a perfect world too, you would actually take time to hand write all of those yes. you know, action steps down because that's going to further bring you present to the moment and link you to the learning experience that is going to come as a result of you taking the time to do this exercise. Yeah. I love, I love that because I think pen is so important. So uh, I, I love, 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 love that. So that's like my favorite thing we've shared so far. So I hope everyone <laughs> takes that. <laughs> um, I just think it's just so important and something that we can forget to do and is, is, you know, is a really important part of taking care of ourselves and, and learning and succeeding at all this. If this is, if our goal is to change our nutrition. Yeah. And it's funny you say that. And we, we got on the topic of, you know, writing things down in these exercises, because at the end of the day, nutrition is just one small piece of, you know, personal development and optimizing your ability to reach your full potential. And it, it just, to me personally, it's fascinating to see the link of, you know, if you're in the personal development space, they're telling you to do X, Y, and Z, but there's so much carryover into the nutrition space as well as if you apply these similar principles, you're going to see success in your nutrition the way you feel, possibly your weight, if you're seeking weight loss, as well as just many other areas of your life. Yeah. Well, and you can see it. It's funny because um, we interviewed someone, and I'll link to that in the show notes, Sarah Jenks, um, not too long ago. And she's in the personal development space and then had her food epiphany like later mm-hmm. down the line. Whereas for me, I changed my food and all this personal development stuff very quickly followed. So I'm not sure that there's a right answer, but it's amazing how it's all so connected. Because yes. I always say that when I changed my diet, it was literally like I had gone to 10 years of therapy Um in a day. Like I just felt so good. You know, it changed so many things and you know, who would have known? Yeah. It's interesting you say that because with my own education and client work, I've 
I spent so long perfecting how to change people's nutrition after they lose weight so that they're able to maintain the weight without giving much thought initially many years ago about the emotional and psychological and behavioral challenges they would then encounter after they stopped dieting. And it wasn't until I took the time to educate myself and thoroughly scour the research to learn more about this was I able to better provide a blueprint of strategies, if you will, to help them truly keep that weight off for months, for years and whatnot. Okay. So that's a perfect dovetail into tell everybody, and I have one more question after this, but tell everybody how to get a hold of you and what I think you have a resource for everyone around this idea of maintenance. So tell us a little bit about that. Yes, absolutely. I'm happy to. So you can simply head to thepaulsalter.com. And my last name is spelled S-A-L-T-E-R. And I think one of the neatest resources I'm giving away, absolutely free, because I think every single person should read it, is just 11 tips to successfully maintain your weight loss. And each tip I share is not only backed by research, but has been backed by hundreds of success stories with my own one-on-one nutrition coaching clients. And it's a combination of mental, emotional, behavioral, and nutritional tips that ultimately help to give you a well-rounded approach to keeping the weight you've worked so hard to lose off for a very, very long time. Awesome. And just based on our conversation, I would imagine even if you are at the beginning of your journey, that this is good to look at in advance. Is that true? Oh, absolutely. That would be like bonus points. (laughs) All right. So we'll link to all that in the show notes as well. Um, all right. So as we wrap up, um, we've—I feel like we've shared so many valuable. Your you've shared so many valuable strategies um, for anyone who's like, okay, now I've heard all this. I'm super psyched. Where do I start? What is the first thing that people should do as they, you know, sign off this podcast? Like, what is the their first step? Absolutely. That's a great question. I'm, 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 my mind is spinning to give the most concise action step. <laughs> I think the very first step someone should take, and this may be a 1A, 1B, so bear with me, is, right. to, is to take the time to create, actually, no, I know my answer, to cultivate a vision of what you want your future to relationship with food and the scale to look like. Because not until you have that vision are you gonna be able to approach the appropriate steps to help you achieve that. And what I mean is, for example, this is an exercise I walk all my clients through, is understand what is your what is your social or your dining out lifestyle look like? How many times do you want to spend having meals out or attending social gatherings with your family? How many times do you want to work out a week, regardless of the form of exercise you choose? And not until you have this vision crafted in your mind as clearly as possible will you be able to take the action steps to move in this direction. And without that vision, you're going to be taking action steps blindly. I love that. It's funny. I just sort of made a video about that an hour ago. So <laughs> that's an awesome tip. Oh, I'll check that out. Very cool. <laughs> I love that. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much for your time. This was really valuable. Um, I love when we get guys on the podcast. So thank you for taking the time to be here today. Yes, absolutely. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I sincerely appreciate it. At the end of every episode, I always share three doable changes. So you can take what you've heard and put it into action because I really do believe that action is where 
true change happens. I know it's so easy to collect this whole list of things that you want to do someday, but that really leads to overwhelm. And this idea of just one doable step, your next one doable step can be so powerful. So in every episode, I always serve up three doable changes. And this is not so that you take all three and run. It's so that you have options and you choose one and you really draw a line in the sand. You schedule that thing into your week. You play with it. You have fun with it. You pivot when you need to, and you really make the thing yours. And what happens is if you do that week after week, you end up having a whole bunch of new habits or things you do or practices or whatever that doable change happens to be. So in this episode, Paul gives us a lot of ideas. So we had to choose three and these are the three that we chose. The first one is to cultivate a vision. And the first step is to cultivate a vision of what you want for your future relationship. And in this case, we're talking about with food and the scale, what you want your future to look like, your future relationship to look like. And I love that idea of your future relationship with it to look like, because that really is in your control. And so answer questions like, what does my social or dining out lifestyle look like? How many times do I want to spend having meal out or attending social gatherings with my family or for work? How often do I want to be able to cook dinner in my own kitchen? How many times do I want to work out in a week? And what do I want to be doing when I'm working out? How do I want to be feeling? Where am I? And really start to get a clear, detailed vision on where you want to go, what you want it to look like, because that's going to make it a lot easier to create action steps. Okay. That's number one. First choice. The second choice is write down wins. And this would look like each night before you go to bed, write down, and I'm going to say one non-scale victory or positive because that's what was shared in this episode. You can do this however you want, but especially if you're on a weight loss or weight maintenance journey, try to make these not about that, right? So that you're really building up your own self-worth. So each night before bed, you write down one non-scale victory or positive. It could be related to your workout or the way you feel or the way you felt wearing a certain outfit, or your energy during the day, or some other non-nutrition or exercise-related positive thing that happened to you in the day. In the flow process, we call this magic moments, and we also have a gratitude practice, so it would fit into both of those slots. And this practice really helps you to retain or retain, sorry, I meant to say retrain because they look alike, retrain your brain to really notice the positives because that's what a lot of this work is. A lot of this work is just retraining our brain, exercising our brain. And this really helps us to move forward. Okay. So number one was cultivate a vision. Number two is write down wins. And then the third choice is make an after action report. And here's what we were explained to this means. So we all 
quote unquote screw up, although I don't really believe that that's what we need to call it. We all are on our path, go off track from time to time, go off track of what we thought we wanted, um, especially when we're trying to eat better for whatever reason, whether we just want to be healthier, we're trying to get out of a medical condition, we want to lose weight. So instead of beating yourself up or deciding that it's all over when you mess up, because I know I've had those days where it's like, oh, I messed up today. I'll just start over tomorrow or I'll start over next week or I'll start over when summer's over, right? So instead of doing that, reflect on why you got off track. Try to do it with as little judgment as possible. And see if you can identify any specific triggers or stressors or challenges that you faced, and then take a step to reflect on what you could have done differently to better navigate the situation, right? So you're learning from your behavior instead of judging it. And this can really help you make a plan to handle a similar situation that you're definitely, I can promise you, going to encounter in the future. And so all of a sudden you have a new set of tools because you are learning from your life. And then this starts to make us gratefully anticipate things that don't quite go our way because we're always learning. So I love all three of these doable changes. So pick one, choose it, really commit to it and have fun with it this week. And please do tell us what it is that you're up to. Over on Instagram is my favorite place to connect. You can still connect there at Plan Simple Meals. Someday soon we're going to change that um, name because it really doesn't totally resonate with everything, but it totally resonates with this episode. So head over to Plan Simple Meals on Instagram and tell us what's up with this. I can't wait to hear. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Plan Simple podcast. If you loved what you heard, the biggest compliment you can give is to share the podcast with a friend. And if you really loved what you heard, if you want to go onto iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review, that really helps us get the best guests we can and improve the podcast so that we're serving up exactly what you want to hear. I will see you on the next episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. Bye for now.